Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. All right, well, today is our second one in uh, the book of Acts, and we're going to talk about the birth of the church. It's one of the greatest moments in history. And when I say the birth of the church, I don't mean the birth of a building. A building has nothing to do with it. Um, The church is, um, Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When he used the word rock for himself, it means a massive, giant, giant rock. And then the word church that he uses, it's the idea of a group of people coming together for a common purpose. And so it's people coming together, followers of Christ coming together, common purpose, common agenda to advance the kingdom of hell. And he said, in that, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, will not prevail against the church. Well, that tells us that we're stronger together. We're weaker alone. And so we get to look back in time and see this birth moment of the church. Now, how many of you have, like me, have ever been in the delivery room? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, not women. Okay, we got you on that one, okay? (laughs) We know you had to be in there, all right? That's, uh, okay, let me clarify that, all right? Uh, Well, I was there, preacher, you know. uh, um, Yeah, okay. Um, How many men have ever been in the delivery room? Raise your hand. Scary, isn't it? Just scary. But uh, I've been in there three times. And let me tell you a little bit of my experiences. Maybe they might um, be similar to yours. But um, gosh, I I remember being in there the first time. We were actually the first time we were in a labor room. And we were going to be taken to the delivery room at a certain moment in time as uh, waiting for our first one, Vanessa, to be born. And the door swung open. Somebody was. There's, they're rolling somebody by. I've shared with this before. And this, this lady going by on the gurney, and she's going to the delivery room, and, and at the top of her lungs, she's screaming out, ay, 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 and it's like really, really loud. And it was nonstop, okay? I remember thinking to myself, I'm guessing here, but I'm guessing she's a Latin woman. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's just my guess. You know, I'm just putting two and two together here. And then I remember that first time in there, Olivia, um, you know, she's, I'm going to throw up, I'm going to throw up. So get the trash can. I get the trash can in the labor room there, and I bring it up. I thought, she's going to take it from me, and she'll throw up in it, right? This is my common logical thinking. I bring it up to her, and before she grabs it, she just goes, and I'm holding like She goes, Bleh! and like her face is here, and my face is there, okay? And I thought, all right, yeah, yeah. This is great, this is great, okay? Now, when it came to my kids being born, uh, my first b- born, she was born, and uh, I guess in the womb, she swallowed poop. Have you ever heard of that before? She swallowed it. I'm thinking, huh, okay, all right. So they had to suction that out of her, and then my next one came along, and uh, he didn't want to be born. So they had to take the salad tongs and pull him out with those salad tongs, and that was Nathan. He just wouldn't, he's gone, no, I'm not coming out. I'm just, uh, I'm nice and warm in here. It's nice. Okay, I'm, I'm not coming out anywhere. And then uh, my third one, Dylan, who pastors the church in Riverside, he couldn't wait to be born. We got in the bed at Riverside Kaiser at 9.15. He was born at 10.33, an hour and 18 minutes later. 
And it was 1993. And I remember thinking to myself, hmm, I can be home in time to watch Jay Leno. I mean, because, you know, I'm a guy, all right, you know. I thought, this is going to be a great night. I have a boy, and I'm going to go and watch Jay Leno. It's going to be great, you know. What a great night. But being in that delivery room, it's, um, it's one of these greatest moments of your life, and to watch the birth of, um, of a child. Well, today we get to see the birth of the church, how this whole thing began a couple thousand years ago, approximately. But let's think about it. You know, if you ever, going back to the beginning, if you ever... Um, I wonder if you're living out your faith correctly, your Christianity. You know what you need to do? Go back to the book of Acts, start reading it, and you will compare your life to that and see if you're living it correctly. Because if you're not, these are things you need to start doing because it's going to tell you exactly how to live your life for the kingdom of God. So, now, it doesn't end there either. You know, when they asked Jesus about marriage and divorce... Uh, they, he said, well, what did it say in the beginning? He took them way back to Genesis. He said, well, he goes, he goes, in the beginning, God made them male and female. In other words, a man and a woman are to get married. That's biblical. And when we say that here in church, biblically, a real man and a real woman, okay? And I need to say it like that in our day and age. And I'm not trying to put anybody down, but we have to be very clear. Amen to that one? Because they're redefining everything these days. So he said, a man and a woman, and, and, he, and he goes on to say this, he said, the reason why people get divorced, why I let you get divorced, is because of the hardness of your heart. He says, but not from the beginning, and then he adds in the beginning, and says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, the two become one flesh, and what God has put together, let no man put asunder, let no man separate. He was saying, God was never for divorce, he was never for that, we just gave it to you because your heart is your heart you human beings. So you go back to the beginning to find out how that works. Do you know when Jesus, um, they questioned him in his authority, what authority do you have? What right do you have to minister the way you're ministering? What authority? You know what he did? He took him back to the beginning of his ministry. He took him back to John the Baptist. And he says, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or what from men? Answer me. And they couldn't answer him because they knew. So what's he doing? Well, if you want to know the authority of my ministry, where I get the authority from, go back to John. And you find out that authority came from heaven. He took him back to the beginning of his ministry. He took him back to the baptism and water and the whole shot right there. So, and then if you progress on, you go back to beginnings. If your marriage is rocky right now and you're wondering, how are we going to work this thing out? What can we do to fix it? Well, you go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, and you find that when you've lost your first love, what are you supposed to do? Go back and do the deeds you did at the beginning. What did you do when you first dated? How did you treat your, each other? How did you talk to each other? Go back and do those things, and your love uh, will be rekindled through the Holy Spirit. It's a guarantee from God. So you always go back to the beginnings, and that's what we're going to do today as we've just started this second week of our series through the book of Acts. And so I want you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 on this beautiful, cold labor weekend. And uh, we're going to catch some fire like outside, okay? This is going to be the hottest day of the week, isn't it? Say please, say yes. Somebody say yes. Okay, good. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to read 12 verses and do some commentary. And then we're going to three points today. Then we have something at the end that I told you about last week that we're going to do. Um, so here we go. Chapter 2, verse 1. It says, 
When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Okay, for those of you that don't know Pentecost and what this is all about, back up and um, Jesus, oh, you have Old Testament feast, you have Passover, which is when Jesus was crucified. You have first fruits, it's when Jesus rose from the dead. And then from there you go 50 days and you have Pentecost, which is it's the, it's the wheat harvest. It's a big, big deal. And Pentecost means 50. So 50 days Pentecost. It's, uh, and so it, it's not like it's coincidental. Everything is very specific. Crucifixion this day, resurrection this day, birth of the church this day. Now, let's remember something because we're, we're going to talk about this empowering of the Spirit. Remember that the night of the morning of Jesus' resurrection is when he breathed on the disciples and that's where they're born again in John. Then you go after that first fruit, Jesus' resurrection, then you go 50 days, now we're coming to Pentecost 50 days later and this is where they're gonna receive the empowering baptism of the Holy Spirit that we talked about last week. When they were born again, that was the second experience. Remember that one? Any amens on that? And then when they're empowered, that's the third experience of the Holy Spirit. The first experience is when the Holy Spirit is with you. You've been witnessed to, and now he's doing a ride-along to try to reel you into the kingdom of God. Anyone remember those days when you were shared with before you were a Christian, right? Okay, good. Now, verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise, like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were, listening, where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them now notice it's a violent rushing it's like a violent rushing they hear a noise a it sounds like a violent rushing wind and then also, and I like that because the Holy Spirit is many times symbolized as wind pneuma pneumatology study of the spirit um, and then tongues it says to them as of fire as of it wasn't like a literal tongue moving around in flames, okay? But it was as of, they're seeing this thing going on right here. So I like that because the fire part of it, John the Baptist would say of Jesus that he would baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. That's what he said way back at the baptism time. Now, verse um, four. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven huh so now we've got people coming uh, from they're, they're in town from every nation and we know it's Pentecost so many people there from every nation so there's a lot of different languages being spoken that day there verse um, verse uh, 5 oh I did verse 5 verse 6 and when this sound occurred the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing um, them speak in his own language now, did I skip verse 4? Is that what I did? I know I skipped something, huh? I knew something was wrong up here. Let me go back to verse 4 real quick, and I'll get back to verse 6. Okay, good. I'm glad you guys caught it. Actually, I was just testing you, okay? Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The key verse, and I jump over it. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So now, you find the Holy Spirit comes down in power and one of the offshoots of that is they're speaking in this tongue. Tongue simply means language or dialect. That's simply what the word, the Greek word means. Now let's go back to verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered 
because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. Now we're going, wait a minute here. All these people are speaking in our languages, and they're from, and these people are listening are from all over the place. All these languages are being spoken. Now watch this. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why? Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, these are a bunch of country bumpkins from the north. These uneducated people, how do they know how to speak our language? Well, the thing is, they don't know how to speak their languages. This is a Holy Spirit empowerment, and now they're speaking in tongues at this moment. Which, by the way, if you think about it, we send missionaries out today, and they have to learn the language of where they're going to, correct? God didn't have time to train missionaries. He gave them the language in that moment to reach the people right then and there. And that's something that was specific in that moment. Verse 8, and how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? How do they know? How does he know my language? He doesn't know my language. How does he speak in my language? Now, verse 9, Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia. Anyone want to read these out loud? Okay. Uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. So they're coming, they're here from everywhere, everywhere. Verse 11, Cretans and Arabs. Now, stop right there. What would have happened if in that time, it says Arabs were there too, if Jews and Arabs began to get saved, empowered in the Spirit, come and become part of the church, what would have happened? To the, how would the last 2,000 years look differently had Jews and uh, Arabs gotten saved back then? Would it look different? Yeah. You better believe it would look different. And there it is right there. They could have. We hear them in our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they, were, and they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another say it with me what okay that was really weak okay let's try it again one two three what does this mean okay there we go now think about this there's a little tip in there on um, one of the benefits of speaking in tongues it says we hear them speaking of the mighty deeds of God so one of the uh, elements or benefits of speaking in tongues it's, it's a worship to God is it not now, I want you to think about that verse very quickly because in, in Scripture, you're going to find this idea here, this truth, that the interpretation of tongues is it's always from man to God. It's a, one of the elements, it's a praise to God. Do you follow that? You'll find that in other places too. Now, I grew up in what's called Pentecostal circles. And I remember, and typically somebody would speak out in a tongue in a Sunday service, which is not wrong at all, but you have to have an interpreter in the service too. And the interpretation would come back like, thus saith the Lord to his people. Now, at that moment, I started to wonder. I was like 10 years in the Lord. I go, that's just not right. Because every time I read here, the interpretation should be man to God, not God to man. Are you following me? But their interpretation was, thus saith the Lord to his people. That's God to man. And I started to really wonder, that doesn't jive with scripture. Sitting in a theology class about a year later at Vanguard University, and my professor brought up the very thing. He says, they start doing this. That's not correct. And I'm thinking, okay, somebody sees this. I'm not crazy in my head. And it is true. It should be always the interpretation. Is, it's a praise and a worship and a glorification of God from man to God. Do you follow me on that? 
Okay, good. Let's, now, so they're, they're seeing this happen. They ask, what does this mean? And by the way, if you read verse 13, people start mocking it. And people still mock it today, do they not? And people mock things they don't understand or just don't want to understand. Okay, but we don't want to mock it. But they ask the question, what does this mean? And I'm going to answer that question when I get to, well, I'm going to answer that question in three ways today. So here we go, three things. Number one, and I'll get to the tongues part in point three, but I want to build the case and give you other elements of what's going on here. First off, number one, it means God keeps His promises. And how many are glad about that one right there? That God keeps His promises. I like that. Luke 24, 49 says this. Read it with me. One, two, three. And behold, I am forth the, say promise louder, of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Well, that's a mouthful, huh? Question, who said that? Jesus Christ said that right there. He said, it's coming. Wait in the city. It's power. I'm going to clothe you with power from on high. And you wait till it comes, okay? We know that last week as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is right after his resurrection. They're not in Pentecost yet. They're already born again. Now, he says it at that moment. Peter preaching in Acts 2, he takes us further back on this promise of God. It's found in uh, Acts 2, 16, 17, 18. Put it on the screen. We'll read it in a second. But he's quoting Joel 850 some odd years before this moment. Joel writes about it in the Old Testament. He says this. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days. Now stop. When you read Acts, and you read verse 17, in the last days, you're going you're gonna to realize that the last days of planet Earth, as we know it now, began on the day of Pentecost. Now, that was the a.m. We are in the p.m. right now, the last days. Amen? That's just the way it lays it out. Now, it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. I like that. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see vision. And your old men shall dream dreams. How many old guys had a dream like I'm just joking, okay. Verse 18, even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. So Peter takes us 850 years before the moment to show us the promise that God made to pour forth the Spirit upon all mankind. And we're seeing it happen, the beginnings of it, in Acts chapter 2. Now, question, is that God's only promise yet to be fulfilled? No, there are more. I'll give you one quick one. Put up Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Read it with me, 1, 2, 3. They also said, men of... Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? Stop. Jesus is ascending at this moment. He is now taken up in the cloud. Read on. This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will what? Will what? Come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. What does that mean? The way he went up is the way... He's coming down. And we know from the verse, next verse after verse 11 in chapter 1, he's standing on the Mount of Olives. 
He's going to come back to the Mount of Olives. How many have ever stood on the Mount of Olives? I've been able to stand there four times. So, yeah, history is coming back. Zechariah 14, 4, if you want to jot it down, he's coming back there, and the mountain's going to split in half, man. It's going to be one wild day, isn't it? So he's coming back. Now, that's the first thing. He keeps his promises. Point two, and that is God gives his grace. Now, what do you mean by God gives his grace? Well, watch this in um, Acts uh, chapter 2, 37 through 41, and it says this. Now, when they heard this, now, they've just heard Peter preach a powerful message. Peter is one of the 12 original disciples. They heard him, when they heard this, they're pierced to the heart. You ever read the Bible and it just pierces you? Any amens on that? No, any amens anywhere? Boy, it doesn't mean, man, gosh. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter going to tell them. Peter said to them, repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Stop before I read the rest of that verse. It doesn't mean that I'm not forgiven if I'm not water baptized. Because that's water baptism. What's going on here, why Peter inserts out of order in this moment is because you have all kinds of people there that earlier, seven, eight weeks earlier, they were screaming, crucify, crucify, correct? Correct? And so now, if they're going to come to Christ, these people yell, crucify, they have to make a public water baptism confession, renouncing what they once were and and saying, I'm going to follow Christ in my life. Does that make sense? So that's why he puts it out of order like that. Now, and he says at the end of it, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, what we received, you will receive. Now, verse 39. For the promise, there's that word again. You keep seeing it crop up. Luke 24, Acts 1, it's the Holy Spirit's power, is for you and your children. And for who? All who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Verse 40. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting him, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Well, that fits today. Verse 41. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Oh, my goodness. Now, here's a side note. When they gave the law in the Old Testament, 3,000 people died. When they received the Spirit in the New Testament, 3,000 people are saved. Isn't that wild? But here's the point. God gives us grace. So think about what just happened when he sends the Holy Spirit. We call Jesus the second person of the Holy Spirit, a second person of the Godhead, and the Holy Spirit the third person. So let me use those terms. When Jesus came, humans killed the second person of the Holy Spirit. Did they not? So what does God do? He sends the third person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You and I, if somebody killed our friend, would you do anything to help them out? I doubt it. God says, well, you killed my son, so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Now, if that's not grace, I don't know what's grace, right? See, none of us deserve this. That's what grace is. You don't deserve it. Do I deserve to sit up here and teach and preach you? Absolutely not. I'm a sinner like everyone else. I do not deserve this. Do any of us deserve forgiveness? The answer is no. Somebody in first service yelled, yes. I go, what? (laughs) No, no, we don't deserve it. 
Does anyone here deserve the blessings of God? The answer is no, we're all sinners. The only thing we deserve is hell and eternity. But here comes God. Here comes Jesus. Here comes the Holy Spirit. And he brings grace to our lives. Any amens on that? You should want to come in and worship all the time. Be ready to worship God for all that he's done and the grace of God. Amen to that one right there, right? Okay, good. Now, here we go. Point three. Let's get into this thing now. God pours out his power. So now we see God keeps his promise, God gives his grace, and God pours out his power. This is the issue we're talking about today. Acts 1.8, let's go back over from last week. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in, watch my hands, and in all Judea and, and even to the remotest parts Notice how it branches out? You will see this actually happen in the book of Acts when we get to those chapters in those things. Now, so here it comes, the empowering of the Spirit of God, the pouring out of the Spirit of God. So let me give you some some truths here in your notes, if you're taking notes. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, and that's not water. Get water out of your mind. Baptism in the Holy Spirit gives us First bullet point, the power to live as a greater witness for Jesus. Amen? That's what it said in Acts 1. I can live as a greater light. I can live in a greater holiness. I can make a greater impact with the power of the Spirit of God. Doesn't it make sense that he would equip us with power to reach this world for Jesus Christ? Any amens on that one? I want to be a greater witness for Jesus. I want people to take notice, not just by my words, but by my actions. Man, that guy's really, he's living for God. Now, the second bullet point the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us is boldness. Gives you boldness. And we know this, well, in a second, but we know in Acts chapter 4, when they prayed after the place rocked and rolled, they had more confidence because they were filled again with the Spirit of God. Now, here's my question. Peter's preaching today in Acts chapter 2. How much boldness did Peter have the night that Judas betrayed Jesus? Nothing. He gets to that little campfire. Remember that? He's following along because they've now taken Jesus. They've arrested him. And Jesus is on trial. He gets around the campfire and this little, little servant girl comes up to him and says, you were with Jesus, huh? And Peter says what? Absolutely I was. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know the guy. Really? You don't even know the guy. Oh my gosh. And then, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit baptism comes down. Peter is empowered. Third experience. He's filled with the Spirit. And all of a sudden, he stands up in full confidence, full power, preaches a great message. 3,000 people get saved. They're empowered. What was the difference? What took him from the cowardly lion to the bold man that he now was? It's a baptism in the Holy Spirit and power. Changes life just like that. Now, I need to make some statements so you don't run off on tangents that are incorrect. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of power, that is the main thing. Say main thing. thing. That's the main thing. Speaking in tongues is a grace. It's an arm off of the main thing. So never forget that. Some people mix that and say speaking in tongues is the main thing. No, it's not. 
I've been speaking in tongues, praying in tongues for, gosh, almost 43 years. It's not the main thing. It's an important thing, but the main thing is the power of the Holy Spirit. When, you have, when you've been empowered with the Spirit and asked God to baptize in the Spirit, as many of you last week were, now in your Holy Spirit tool case, you have this ability, this grace, to speak in your heavenly language called tongues. Correct? Are you following me? Correct? Okay, good. Now, so let's go back to the question. They're going, what does this mean? Because they're going, God, these people are speaking different languages. What does this mean? What are these tongues all about? Okay. Like I said, I've been speaking in tongues, praying in tongues for almost 43 years. So let's talk about it. Let me give you a few things. I can't do everything. As we go through, the, through Acts, I'll give you more. We'll revisit certain things. We'll expand to other things. But I can't give you everything on a Sunday. That's an impossibility. There's so much to it. About speaking in tongues. And I'm asking those of you who've never been in churches where they've taught you this or stuff, just keep your open mind, okay? I'm going to just give you scripture. That's all I'm going to give you. I'm not making nothing up. It's just right here. The first thing I want to tell you that it, it helps me with my prayer limitations. Watch First 1 Corinthians 14, 2. says this. Watch closely what Paul says. He's the writer here. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to... God, for no one understands. But in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Okay. <clears throat> this is a Holy Spirit language. When I speak in tongues, I'm speaking to God. Now, if I'm speaking in a spiritual language to God, is that a perfect language? Absolutely it is. How could it be imperfect? It's a perfect language. So there's no imperfections in it. Now, let me ask a question off that question. Has anyone here been faced with a situation that you really don't know how to pray in this situation? I'll be the first to raise my hand. Raise your hand. I don't, I don't even know how to pray here. I don't even know what to do with this. Well, guess what tongues does? It gives us the ability to go past our prayer limitations and understanding. And now I can pray in a heavenly language that God understands and I can hit the target, though I don't know what I'm saying. My mind doesn't need to be fruitful, 1 Corinthians 14 later on says. But I can, I can pray. I can do these things. Do you know that that's a great benefit? Especially when I, I'm so limited in my thinking, in our, in our finite minds. I don't know all the ins and outs. I don't know what God wants here. But I can pray in tongues in that moment. Now, let me show you something that just to, to make sure you see this from that verse. Did you notice in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says, He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but unto God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. How many people understand? No one. Question. Acts chapter 2. Did people understand? They didn't. Oh, yeah, they did. They're speaking in these languages. They don't know it themselves, but did other people understand it? Yeah. So which is it? Is this a contradiction? Is the Bible have a... Con no, it's not a contradiction. Paul gives us insight into these two types. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, he gives you two types. The tongues of men are the one you heard in Acts 2. They're speaking these tongues, these human languages. The tongues of angels, that's your spiritual, everyday, common garden variety prayer language that I use daily. That's every day. So it's, there's no contradiction in the whole thing. They're just two different types. But it's interesting how Paul brings the contrary to, the, to Acts chapter 2. Now, the second bullet point is this about tongues. It builds me spiritually. It builds me spiritually. 
It edifies me. Now watch 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Now watch this. It says, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But one who prophesies edifies the church. Okay, now, prophesy, preaching, I'm preaching up here, it's edifying everybody. And now, let me, let me tell you what this is all about before we get confused on them. But people will say, see, you don't want to speak in tongues, just, it's better to prophesy, it's better, whoa, that's not what it's saying. It's not, it's not what it's saying. It's giving you uh, the guidelines how to utilize this in a church setting. Yeah, if I'm by myself, I just speak in tongues. The first Corinthian church, the Corinthians, they would come together, they're all speaking in tongues. Nobody knew what anybody was saying. So he's coming to try to corral this in and give them instruction. So yes, in a church setting, when one person speaks out in a tongue at a certain moment, maybe in worship, yeah, unless there's an interpreter or prophecy, something in English, it edifies nobody but the person saying it. You follow me on that one? And that's all he's talking about right there. That's all he's saying in that moment. Now, it builds me. The word edifies, it means edifice idea. It's a building. It builds me up spiritually. Two people in my 43 years of my Christianity have told me this statement based on that. They said, you shouldn't want to build yourself up. I said, what? You shouldn't want to build yourself up. And they were sincere. And I thought to myself, well, if that's true, then I shouldn't read my Bible. That builds me. I shouldn't come and worship because that builds me up. I shouldn't fellowship. That builds me up. I shouldn't do any of these things because, my gosh, I shouldn't build myself up. Well, that doesn't make any sense, does it? I flip it around. The truth is, I need all the building up I can get because I'm in a spiritual battle. Any amens? I need it. I need it, and I, and I study this Bible hours a day, and I need this. Now, let me give you an illustration to give you why, how this builds you up. Now, how many of you go to the gym? Okay, better question. How many of you have a gym membership? Because <laughs> it doesn't mean you go to the gym, right? You just have the membership. It's, I, got, I got my card, you know. Okay. Um, I go to the gym. I, you could tell. I mean, I go to the gym, so... <laughs> Wow, it's a, it's a tough crowd today. But uh. So I go to the gym. And you know, you go to the gym, and there's mirrors everywhere, right? And it's like, I don't know if I want to look in the mirror anymore. And you got these guys in my, my, in my generation, they're, you know, they're ripped. I don't know, they, that's, what do they say now? Jacked? What is it? They're, but in my, they're, they're ripped, man. Just, and they're walking. You know, no offense, but your arms can't touch your sides. I, you know. You know, when you drive, you drive like that. You know, it's like, no offense, though. Don't beat me up after service, okay? But, um, but I don't even like to lift next to those guys because they're just, you know, they're just. Is that heartburn? What's going on over there? And so, and then they stand in front of the mirror, and, you know, and I'm just like, oh, man, that, I wish I looked half that good, you know? I just, and so. But I, here's what I thought many, many times thinking about how tongues builds me up. What if those mirrors that they stand in front of that show their physical body, what if there was a button on the mirror? And when you hit the button, it, re, it made the mirror change from what you look like physically to what you look like spiritually. Oh, yeah, baby. I'd walk and go...
yeah, that's right over here, man. Spiritual baby right here. I'm all buff. You see this? And then I'd look at them like, what, have you been sick or what, you know? Wouldn't that be great? I'd be going to the gym every day just to do that. It'd be so much fun. Well, see, that's one of the benefits of tongues. You see, I can, and here's the cool thing, I can be mowing my lawn, I can be driving 40 minutes somewhere, I can be sitting in my backyard doing anything else, and I can pray in tongues at the very same moment by myself. My mind does not have to engage in that, and I can build myself up. I can go to the gym while I am sitting down in my backyard spiritually. Isn't that great? How many would like to go to the gym while you're sitting down in your backyard? That'd be amazing. But you want to build yourself up spiritually. Now, that is one of the... If you heard nothing else today, you want to build yourself up. Now, the third bullet point is this. Paul desires that all believers pray in tongues. Okay, let's... We're going to see three things he says here. Very cool things. Now, verse 5, 1 Corinthians 14, 5 says this. Here's Paul. This is Paul. Say Paul. It's not your cousin Pablo, but this is Paul like the. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. We've already covered the differences right there. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, <coughs> unless he interprets. So that the church may receive edifying. He's not putting down tongues, he's just saying you need an interpreter to edify everybody. But no, he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Okay, I got some questions. Is Paul some uneducated fool? Is he highly educated? Is he really, really smart? Okay. Paul's written 13 New Testament letters. Okay. How many more New Testament letters has Paul written than you or I? I just gave you the number. How many? You're going, ah, six? Uh, Have I written seven? You know, no. No, you haven't written any, okay? Okay, he's written 13. So let me try it again. How many more New Testament letters has Paul written than you? (laughs) You guys are catching on now. Okay. So, and he's probably the greatest of all the apostles that has ever walked the earth. And he sits there and he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Are you smarter than him? You're going to write your own gospel now, your New Testament? That's what he's telling you. Some of you right now will fight this, but you're not fighting me, you're not fighting new beginnings, you're just fighting this. That's all you're fighting. Why would he say this? Because tongues gives me this benefit. I can pray, I can praise, I can intercede, I can articulate beyond my thinking, not even knowing all the ins and outs of what needs to be prayed for. I can do that through speaking in tongues. Is that amazing or what? that he would give me disability, and I appreciate it. Then Paul moves on. Look what he says in verse 18. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. This is Paul, the greatest apostle of all time. I thank God I speak in tongues more than everybody here. Wow, because he knows the benefits. And then he says this. Therefore, my brethren... Desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. And there are plenty of places. No, that's not for today. No, you can't do that. They shouldn't do that. No, he says, don't forbid it. Don't forbid it. Yeah. Now, 
the question that we need to go back to. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. Now watch, watch this. He says, Now when they heard this, this is after Peter preached, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that empowering. But notice the question, what shall we do? What shall we do? It's a great question. What shall we do? What are we going to do with all this stuff that we know? Just say, that was pretty cool, but eh, I think I know more than Paul. Last week, many received the baptism in the Spirit. But today I told you we're going to take a step further. Because I want the full effect in your life. I want you to receive everything. First service was glorious. I want you to have the greater witness in your life. I want you to have this element of praying in tongues to, to benefit yourself. Now let me say to some of you right now, as I said last week. <coughs> some of you have seen the weird, haven't you? So have I. But guess what? I've seen people use a car for the wrong reasons, but I don't stop driving a car. I told you last week, I've seen weird marriages. Anybody? It didn't stop me from getting marriages, from getting married. The Bible teaches the correct way. It teaches what it is in the correct way. So if you say, I, I've seen the weird, then so what? Okay, so you've seen the weird. But we've shown you the correct, at least a lot of it, not all of it. So today I want you, I want to offer to you your, your, your next step. Like I said, some of you were baptized in the Spirit already last week. We're going to take your next step. And I hope you're willing to receive the full effect of the Spirit of God. Let's stand up with me this morning. We're going to pray. Stand up. Just close your eyes. And I'm going to pray. I just pray for everyone here, Holy Spirit, all these born-again people, for them to receive the full effect. First, they want to desire, to be, to, to be desire, desiring the full effect. I pray for a real freedom in your life today that you're going to walk in this power and the grace of speaking in tongues. Because you want to be able to build yourself up in every way possible spiritually. I pray against every lie that Satan's telling you right now, no, nah, it's not for me, no, nah, not this way. You're going against scripture. It is for you. You're not smarter than Paul. You wrote no New Testament letters. And so I'm going to ask a simple question. When they say, what shall we do? Here's what you do. How many of you, even though you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit last week, this week, how many of you want to receive it? Plus, you want to receive your gift of speaking in tongues. Raise your hand. Just raise it up. Raise, it. raise them up. 
Okay, and all of you with the hands up, just come around the altar right now. Just come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Okay, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, I'm going to ask the rest of you, except for the people who are going to come, those of you, some of you pray in tongues and the other ones I've asked, you're going to follow me to the corner over here. You guys here, go to the corner over there. The rest of you, I'm going to dismiss you to head, head out. Back doors, these doors. You can drop your physical offering over here. And I'm going to pray with you guys in this corner over here. And those of you who are going to come and join me who speak in tongues, the ones I've asked for, come and join me over there. So we're going to lead you in this empowering and in speaking in your heavenly prayer language. Okay? So this group, follow me over there. Just leave me room in the corner, okay? And those others joining me to help me out over there. And the rest of you, God bless you guys. Thank you for coming this morning. Have a great rest of your three-day weekend. Enjoy the hot, cool air outside. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco. Or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.